Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Okay, we're going to go ahead and get started. Let's just open with a brief word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for who you are to us. Thank you for your presence in our lives and in this place. We ask you to to, uh, help us tonight with your word. We know that you will. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Okay, I got a story I'm going to read, just a short story before we get started. Uh, I don't know if it's a true story, but it is a story. There was a country preacher who was walking the back uh, roads near his church, and he'd been out for a while, and so he became thirsty, and so he decided uh, to stop at this uh, little house and ask for the woman there for just a, a glass of water. And so lady of the house invites him in, and in addition to something to drink, she served him a bowl of soup by the fire. It was, you know, it was a winter day, so he's cold, so he's got this bowl of soup by the fire and feeling pretty good. And there was a small pig running around, uh, and the pig kept running up to this guy and giving him a whole lot of attention. He ran away, come back, and he was just really excited. And so the visiting pastor said and commented to the lady, he says, you know, I've never seen a pig this friendly. And the woman says, oh, he's not that friendly. That's his bowl you're eating out of. <laughs> One of those things. So, Okay, so tonight we are concluding a three-week series called How to Have a Happy New Year. We've talked about various things. I'm not going to go into a review, but if you weren't here those other two weeks, there are both Lesson 1 and 2 out in the foyer and the, on the right-hand wall. There's uh, lessons. You'll see Lesson 2, but behind those is one of the copies of uh, Lesson number 1. So 1 and 2 are there. If you'd like to pick those up afterwards, I would encourage you to. And then also, uh, I'm going to go through some things tonight, and, and I would encourage you to go through and, you know, during the week, go through the notes and just kind of let it uh, get in deep, okay? So that's my encouragement to you. Last week, we talked about who we are in Christ, and being in Christ means we're a whole new us, doesn't it? Amen. Uh, the old sin goes away through him. And we uh, are in a brand new relationship with God. Uh, God is for us, He is with us, and He's in us. And that's a good thing, isn't it? We talked about being in Christ, we have a new purpose, that we are ambassadors for Christ, and it means we represent heaven's character, and also we're spokesmen, our spokespeople for God, right? And so if other people are going to come to Christ, it's going to be because somebody tells them, right? Okay. So listen, tonight what we're going to look at is uh, our confession. And so when I mention confession, some of us, because of our backgrounds, go into, you know, the the booth and uh, forgive me because, you know, and all that. I'm not talking about a confessional booth Uh, but I'm talking about, and we're going to be speaking about what we say, how we talk, 
Uh, and, and so uh, not using better grammar. Uh, I think we probably ought to use better grammar, but I'm not talking about saying isn't instead of ain't, but our confession of Christ and how we speak because of his influence in us. So, Roman numeral num, number one, we're going to look at the power of our confession. And the Bible issues a very strong warning about the words that we speak. Our words carry life or death. Now, uh, most of us have heard this verse of Scripture, Proverbs 18, verse 21. Uh, we've either read it a number of times or we've heard it taught about or preached about, but I want us to listen to it, if we could, with maybe fresh ears. Uh, because sometimes after we've heard things over, we, we, we kind of go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know that's what the Bible says and all. But we really need to let the, the weightiness of these words to get a hold of us and understand the gravity of these words. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now somebody say, yikes. Uh, there, there are a lot of people who don't feel that they have a whole lot of power. But every one of us has an incredible power, and that is through the words that we speak. Your words, my words, will bring life or death. Now, this is real. Uh, uh, they, uh, I, we, can, we can hear this and think, oh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter that much uh, what I say, or it really matters what I do. It's not, but Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so our words are really powerful, and they can. And, uh, no doubt, all of us have experiences from our childhood where somebody spoke words uh, to us that affected us deeply. Uh, uh, anyone who's heard me preach or teach over the years have heard me talk about my first grade teacher. Her name was Ophelia Smith. She was a, an old spinster. Yeah, never got married, and I... There was good reason for that. Uh, she was not a nice person. She could be on the, I mean, she had times where she was just a sweet little old lady. And then literally she would manifest. I didn't know what to call it back then because I'm just a little first grader and I didn't have any kind of uh, experience with demon-possessed people. But, but after I got saved, I realized... Uh, I, and I thought, well, of course, that's Miss Smith. She was demonized. She would, uh, she'd get so upset. She could be nice and calm one moment and then manifest the next. And, you know, she, she slapped kids across the face, hit a kid over the head with an empty Coke bottle, threw books at people, slapped me on the back three different times for missing a word in reading and stuff like that. She was demonized. And so one day we're doing art in her class and I was, 
you know, I, was a, I have a little bit of perfectionist tendencies going on, and my mom was an art teacher, and so I'm with my pencil trying to do this just absolutely perfect, and then I erase it and do it again, and I, I didn't get hardly anything done on this drawing that we're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to draw it in with your pencil and then uh, crayons and all that, and then we were going to stand out in the hallway and let all the sixth graders see our beautiful works of art. And so I'm, I'm uptight, and as time's, I know time's going, and I'm getting more uptight, and I never did, I couldn't get it done, you know, and, and so uh, she comes over to me and snatches the pencil out of my hand and, and just scribbles something out there, and she goes, here, and, and then she looks at me and says, and your mother teaches art. And so I just kind of weather. And then, then I had to take that stupid drawing that she did and stand out in the hallway with all our other class and let the sixth graders pass in front. And one guy, you know, comes up and looks at mine, and he rubs me on the head and says, oh, that's not bad for a little kid. I'm thinking, yeah, it's not bad for a demon-possessed old spinster either. Didn't really think those words, but anyway... A lot of us know what it's like to have people speak words that injure or damage us. Our words carry influence to our, our kids, to our wives, our husbands, our friends, the people we work with, and it can either make them come more alive or it can bring uh, a death or, or kill something in them. That old uh, thing we used to say as kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That is not true. Uh, words have caused uh, immeasurable hurt in, in every life, no doubt, have, have caused such hurt and damage. So we all have the power of life and death by what we say. And this is not just in what we speak toward others, but it's especially true in what we say to ourselves. It's so important, uh, the words we speak to ourselves or that we speak in our minds to ourselves or about the circumstances that we're going through in life, you know. Uh, if, if you're in the habit of saying things just off the cuff like, you know, oh, I'm so stupid or I'll never get ahead or I hate my life or nothing ever uh, seems to go my way, and those kind of things, those words, we really need to get a hold of and not speak, not allow them to go through our minds, because they do have influence and impact on the kind of lives that we're going to live. Isn't that right? Our words will either free or trap us. Proverbs 6 and verse 2 says, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Uh, I, anybody besides me ever been snared by your words? I looked at a woman one time who was obviously pregnant, and I said, so when do you do? And she snarled back at me. I had her two months ago. It's just not a great thing. Harry and Joni, no, it was Mary Ann Joyner. We both pastored her took me about a year to win her over uh, <laughs> for some reason. Our words can snare us, trap us. John Ortberg is a, a popular Christian author and pastor, and 
He tells a great story. He says, years ago, my parents and I were stuck in a room with a mom and her eight-year-old son as we waited for a family member to show up on a family day at a uh, college. Uh, for one hour, this woman did not speak, did not quit talking. She made Don King look like an introvert. It's not just because we weren't sending her signals, because we were. Nobody would make eye contact with her. We were afraid that might encourage her. Nobody was nodding, you know, as she was speaking. Our bodies were facing the other direction. She could not stop talking. It was as if she had taken some powerful verbal laxative. Her words were out of control. Finally, after an hour of this, her daughter came up the stairs and into the room, and the woman stood up and said, oh, I've got to go. But she kept on talking the whole way out the door. She says, I've got so many things to do, she told us, who didn't care at all. I've got errands to run. I've got dinners to fix. I've got to pick up your dad. Oh, yes, uh, I've got to get some buttons. And then her 8-year-old son spoke uh, the only words he'd said the whole hour, and he looked at his mother and he said, Mother, you need a button for your mouth. And Ortberg says, we all felt this was the prompting of the Holy Spirit in the life of that little boy. But I was wondering, have you ever wanted or wished you had a button for your mouth? You know, uh, uh, Psalm 141, verse 3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, and keep watch over the door of my lips. Wouldn't it be great if God, like, set an angel next to us, and every time we were getting ready to speak something that was off the wall or uh, hurtful to somebody or to ourselves or, or just getting ready to put our foot in our mouth, that the angel would just go, mm, and say, uh-uh, you're going to regret that. Don't, don't, don't even think about it. Wouldn't that be great? It's not going to happen. But if we will allow him, the Holy Spirit will help us uh, and keep us from making mistakes with our words. He'll also prompt us to speak words of encouragement and life to other people if we'll allow him. Somebody say, I believe that. Thank you. Uh, the Bible says our lives can turn on the words that we speak. In James chapter 3, uh, that, whole, that chapter in James 3 is talking about uh, the tongue and our words. And in verse 3 and 4, it says, Indeed, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at the ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. And so the course of our life can turn by the words that we speak. And I know, you know, you, we make that kind of statement, but it really is true. The whole course of our lives can turn on the words that we speak. And I'm going to uh, 
talk about that in a little bit more in just a moment about our conversion, how we get saved. Uh, our world is framed by words. In Hebrews 11, verse 3, it says, By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not, not made of things that were are visible. Everything in the world was created when God said. There was nothing, and then God spoke, and there was something. Uh, oceans and rivers and, and birds and flowers and trees and people, everything was created. Uh, God spoke words, and those words were the nails God used to frame in the world. And in a very real sense, our own worlds are framed by the words that we speak. And this can either be really good or it can be really bad. Uh, if we're always talking about what a rotten life we have, we're probably going to have a pretty rotten life because our, our lives can turn on those words. Uh, if our motto is Murphy's Law, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. If that kind of becomes our our uh, theme for life, you know, then our life is probably going to have a whole lot of trouble. If something can't go wrong, we're going to have a lot of wrong and trouble because our life flows out of the words that we speak. So, even if we are careful about what we say, sometimes all of us are going to mess up. Now, say that's me. Even mature believers stumble. And this is what James 3 verse 2 is talking about. He says, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. And so I'm looking around at the crowd tonight, and I'm not trying to make it just a, well, yeah, I guess I am kind of making a judgment. There are no perfect people in this place. I think that's a fairly safe judgment. No perfect people here. And so we all stumble in many things, and a lot of the things we stumble over are the words that we speak. Uh, sometimes we put one foot, and sometimes we follow by the other foot, putting both feet in our mouth at the same time. But... Uh, Having said that, you know, we're just not going to be perfect about uh, saying the right things all the time, every time. We, you know, it just, we are, uh, we are, we have faults, don't we? Somebody besides me. We all, you know. Uh, have you ever thought to yourself, you know what, I'm just going to cut out all the negative and the garbage talk, and I'm just going to speak what's good, what's right, what, and, and positive stuff, and, and, you know, determined that that's going to be you, and then discover how difficult that can be. The point, the point is, is that we all need uh, the help of God in our lives. There's none of us that are flawless. Uh, but we do need to be careful about, and the, the caution is to be careful about the things that we speak because it will affect the quality of life that we live. 
And you said, I believe that. Okay, I want to talk next and for a little bit about our confession of Christ, what we say about Jesus. In Matthew 16, verse 13 through 16, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Every one of us will be answering this question for ourselves, and that is who Jesus is to us. And this is so important that our salvation depends on it. In Romans 10, verse 8 through 10, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So our, our confession has to do with our conversion. In other words, what we say has to do with whether or not we actually get saved or not. Okay, so, so we may get saved in a, in a variety of places, probably in this group tonight. There are uh, some of us got saved in a church, in a, in a service. Uh, maybe an altar call was given, or maybe we just were sitting in our chair and we just asked Jesus to forgive us to come into our life. may have been in a church. It may have been at a Bible study. I got saved uh, in a coffee house. Uh, we never had a coffee in the coffee house, but I got saved. At a, it was a gospel rock concert that I got saved in. We called it a coffee house, but we never had coffee. It was kind of weird. But I, I came out. I was uh, uh, not saved. It came in, listened to the music. Somebody got up and spoke, gave an altar call, and I responded, and I asked Jesus to come into my life. Uh, I heard of uh, someone that got saved uh, in a bathtub. They were sitting in the bathtub and asked Jesus to come into their life, got saved in a bathtub. So where we get saved may vary, but how we get saved, there, there are uh, specifics in how every one of us got saved, and that is we believed in our heart. In other words, somewhere in our heart, we finally came to the place where we said, I believe that Jesus is who the Word of God says, or He said He was. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. We believed in our heart, and then we confessed with our mouth. We said, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And the prayer may not be specific as far as what each and every one of us said, but somewhere we believed in our heart, and then we confessed with our mouth. We said, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Forgive me. Come into my life. And we got saved, right? That's right. Very simple. I mean, it's simple in what transpired. What happened to bring it about was outrageously 
horrific and complex, Jesus dying on the cross and all. He did that for every single one of us. And so we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, and we get saved. Now, confession and, and what we say about Jesus shouldn't be just a one-time thing. It's, it's really meant to be a daily uh, expression. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So our confession of who Jesus is is meant to be kind of an ongoing expression in our life. And so every day we ought to confess who Jesus is to us. And I, uh, it could be uh, when we're praying, it could be while we're driving our car or or when a need comes up. If we uh, have sinned, we confess Him. Jesus, You are my Savior. Uh, if we are in need, Lord, You are my provider. If we are feeling insecure, Lord, You're my refuge. If we're in need of direction, uh, You are my shepherd. You are the guide of my life. If we're sick, I believe, Jesus, You are the Lord who heals me. You're my healer. If we're troubled, you are my comforter. If we're alone or feeling alone, you are my constant companion. If we need help, you're my helper, right? So every day, all through the day, we should confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and who he is to us. There's a powerful dimension of his presence that is linked with our confession. Uh, the the most power one of the most powerful prayers I ever prayed was just that Jesus uh, years ago when I was a new believer me and another uh, young believer Larry Huck uh, we were driving he was driving his Ford Econoline van to, from Flagstaff to Prescott during this time of the year it was uh, in the winter time and we went across a, a bridge that had black ice. We hit that black ice, and the van started spinning and, and sliding, and it looked like we were going to go off the edge and go on to be with the Lord. But both of us at the same time prayed the same prayer, and that's all it was, Jesus. And as soon as we cried out the name of Jesus, the, the van stopped sliding, righted itself, and went across, and then we, we spent some time praising God that we survived it. And, and so our confession, the name of Jesus has power. Uh, Psalm 91 verse 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. There is power in confessing Jesus' name. In John 16 verse 23 and 24 it says, at that time, Jesus is speaking. He said, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. Yeah. You haven't done this before. He's talking to his disciples that were with him then. But ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. You, using the name of Jesus is more than just kind of a the end at the end of our prayers. 
You know, some people think of uh, in Jesus' name, it's kind of like instead of saying the end or the closing to a prayer. It's a lot more than that. It, it is a confession of our faith and belief in who he is. So we pray for uh, provision in Jesus' name. We're believing that uh, through Jesus we have our provision. If we're praying for healing, healing in Jesus' name, we are declaring that he is our healer. There is real power in Jesus' name. And we need to focus on that. I want to kind of key in on that because it needs to be our focal point in our prayer, and that is that in him, through him, in Jesus' name, there is such power that is released. In our own world, there's power in a name. Uh, Some of you have heard me tell the story when I was a missionary in, in Malawi. Before I went to Malawi as a missionary, I was called out in a church service uh, and was told, you know, God, in fact, uh, I was given this in different words, but the, the, the uh, emphasis was the same. Uh, one was uh, Pastor Poole uh, before uh, he was, I think at that time he was, yeah, he was an uh, assistant pastor here with uh, Pastor Howard. I'd come to preach here, and he gave me this word that God was going to give me favor with a government official. Another church back in Alabama gave me the same word that I was going to have favor in Malawi with a government official. It just so happened that the house that I rented in Blantyre, Malawi was owned by a man named Martin Mononga. And he was a high official in the Malawian government. He was the principal secretary for the Department of Energy and Mining, which was a a big position uh, in Malawi. And so I rented the house. I met Mr. Madonga. He gave me his card. And he says, if you ever need help with anything, just let me know. Well, it was a good thing to know him. He He was the principal secretary of the Department of Energy, and mining, and so the house that we had, he had built it to use later as a retirement home. So we brought our applied. I'd shipped some uh, two uh, 40 weight, uh, two 40 volt uh, appliances uh, for our, you know, our our refrigerator, our washing machine, and dryer, and all that. Brought them in from the states, special voltage that they use there, 240. And I noticed that the refrigerator was just kind of, you know, not real, not doing real great. And so I checked the voltage, and it was putting out about 130 volts, supposed to be 240. And anybody who knows anything about electricity, which I don't know much of anything, but I know if you've got half the voltage that's supposed to be there, it's not good. And so I called up the electric company and told them we've got a problem with our electricity. They said, yeah, yeah, we'll send somebody, you know. Nobody came. So I, my next call was to Mr. Mononga. And I told him the problem I was having. Well, he was over the Department of Energy. And I mean, there were guys that were there at my house so quick. They fixed everything. I never had a problem with my power again except for when it totally went out all over, and that happened occasionally. But uh, that was so cool. Uh, I applied for a telephone in the city, and I went to the telephone department there, and 
and walked in, and I, I met with somebody, and I said, I'd like to apply for a telephone. And the guy laughed at me. And I couldn't figure it out. He said, and he showed me a stack of applications for people applying for a tel new telephone service. And he said that it's, and he said these words, it is impossible. You're not going to get a telephone. And so I, I walked out, and I was, that's kind of disheartening. Uh, I didn't, I needed a phone for a lot of things, you know, and so uh, I uh, prayed about it, but then I also called Mr. Mononga. <clears throat> and so he said, uh, don't worry, he said, go, go back to the telephone exchange. And so I went back like, what, I think the next day or something. And the next day when I walked into the telephone uh, place, these guys were falling all over themselves to help me. And I got a phone like that day. I don't know where they got the phone or the line that came in. I didn't ask those questions, but I got a phone installed because of the power of Mononga's name. In Malawi, Mr. Mononga's name had power. What we need to know as, as God's children is there is power that every one of us have through the name of Jesus. Jesus' name represents all heaven's power and authority. Philippians 2, 9 and 10 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those of, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. Jesus' name is above every other name. And so we need to know this. His name is above every bondage. His, the name of Jesus is above any drug addiction. The name of Jesus is above alcoholism. The name of Jesus is above any kind of sexual addiction. It is above every sickness, whether it's cancer, heart disease, COVID. Uh, Jesus' name is above every worry of the fear of not having enough or uh, fear for our kids and their future. Uh, Jesus' name is above uh, Satan and every other demon spirit. His name is above every name that is named. Somebody say, I believe that. Now, as believers, we have the right and the responsibility to pray in His name. God's power is released when we use the name of Jesus, when we confess His name in believing prayer. A great example of this is in Acts chapter 3, verse 6 through 9. I believe this is the, besides the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the first uh, miracle as far as someone healed in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3, verse 6 through 9, there was a guy who was uh, lame, sitting at the beautiful gate of the temple, and he was looking to receive uh, help from Peter and John, and Peter says these words to him in, in verse 6, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. 
And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And so then there was a big commotion. Uh, the, uh, the disciples are and the apostles are called in. They're questioned about this. And then they respond to the leaders, religious leaders of their day in Acts 3, verse 16. And he says, and his name, talking about Jesus, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith that comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all, or y'all. In Jesus' name, there is such a power, and we need to, to grasp, and, and there are those of us who have been believers for a long time. There are some of us here that have not uh, been uh, uh, Christians for a very long time. However long we've been a, a believer, whether it's a brief time or a very long time, all of us needs to remember and have this truth embedded in our hearts, and that is there is such power when we speak his name in believing prayer. In Luke 10, verse 19, or I'm sorry, verse 17 through 19, Jesus is with his uh, disciples, the 70. They return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give to you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He's talking about the power uh, over all of, uh, when he talks about serpents and scorpions, talking about demonic power. In Mark 16, verse 17 and 18, Jesus says, And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, as I'm, I'm bringing this uh, to a conclusion tonight, we need to have a right focus because sometimes uh, our focus is off. And, and when I was a young pastor, uh, first starting out, I had the uh, uh, tendency to focus on myself a lot. I was very self-conscious. And when it came to praying for the sick and and for like a demonstration of God in the midst of that small uh, pioneer work, I, I felt very responsible, you know, uh, to, uh, you know, produce, really. And so I was, I was focusing kind of on myself. I, the first time that I prayed for people in our church, I had people come up for prayer. I was laying hands on them. I had oil and and I had a whole bottle of oil, and so I dipped my finger in that. And uh, Joe Whitinger, pastor in Flagstaff, uh, uh, his mom was in our church, and she's a little dainty lady, and I just dabbed her head with that little 
dab of oil and began to pray for her. And I wasn't, you know, pushing or any. I was just very lightly touching her. And she was not given to great, her clapping, you know, she was from a, a very uh, traditional religious background, but she'd gotten born again and, and baptized in the Holy Spirit, but even still, she was just one of those kind of clappers, you know, you couldn't hear her clap. She didn't, you know, make a lot of noise, and so she wasn't given to demonstration, but so I, I was just trying to do it just right, and I just dabbed her, touched her forehead, began to pray for her, and now I felt her go. She's starting to get go out under the power of God, and it was a sh shock to me. So I reached behind her to catch her as she's going down, but I had the bottle of oil in this hand. As she's going down, I'm just, I'm just glugging her, and it just all over her dress, and I just quickly moved and started praying for the rest of the people. I didn't even talk to her after the service. I was so embarrassed. I, I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. But probably 20, it may have even been 30 years later, in Flagstaff, she was at Joe's house. I was at Joe Whitinger's house, and his mom was there. And I just asked her, her name was, her last name was Whitinger. I said, Sister Whitinger, I said, do you remember the time I prayed for you and I just doused you with oil and all that? And she goes, I sure do. And I... <laughs> And I said, uh, did you get healed? And she said, I sure did. <laughs> and so uh, my point in telling that story is, is our focus really needs to get off of us. And this is what using the name of Jesus should do for us, is it takes our focus off of ourselves and puts it toward him. In Jesus, and they see it's not, it wasn't in my name that I was, I, but you know, again, I was self conscious and all that, but I spoke in Jesus' name. And you know, uh, there were other people in that church. We had a girl that got healed from scoliosis, curvature of the spine, that had a number of really outstanding miracles that happened. And it was not because I um, had this. Uh, great healing ministry or because I was so powerful, but it was because there's power in the name of Jesus. And when we focus on Him, when we pray in Jesus' name, that's what we're doing. We're, we're bringing a focal point onto Him that it's uh, in spite of whatever it is. You know, they said it was impossible for me to get a telephone, but by the name of Mononga, I got a telephone. Can I tell you something? Whatever illness that we may have, whatever financial difficulty we may face, whatever uh, daunting uh, things we see looming in our future, there is power in Jesus' name. And you and I need to focus on the power of his name. And if we will do that, we'll see God bring more and more intervention in our lives. Now say it again. I believe that. Praise God. Uh, one last verse, and then we're going to pray together. And Proverbs 18, verse 10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. The name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is Jesus. And so we're going to pray right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I want to lead you in a prayer and a confession, and then I want to just pray over us tonight. Uh, so if you'll just follow this and just repeat this out with me. Jesus, help me to have a good confession. I confess you as my Savior, my Lord, my healer, my provider, my helper. Thank you for the power of your name. Help me remember when I pray, I don't represent myself, but I represent you because I pray in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Now let me just pray over you tonight if, if you would just uh, uh, let me pray. In fact, as, uh, as our heads are bowed, no one uh, looking around for a moment, <clears throat> maybe you're here and you've never actually done this. Uh, and no one looking around just for a moment, this is between you and the Lord. But if you have never asked Jesus to come into your life as Lord and Savior, or if you're listening to this online and have never received Christ as Lord and Savior, this is your time. This is your moment. And really all that it takes is your uh, belief in Him, your heart saying, I believe, Jesus, that you died for me, and a confession with your mouth. I just want to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, uh, if you just slip your hand up where I could see it, know to include you in this prayer, never ask Christ to come into your life. Would like to. <clears throat> if you're viewing online, I want to lead us in a prayer, and I'd just like for us all to pray this out. If you're viewing online, you've never prayed this, I want you to pray this in your heart and with your mouth tonight. And, and just repeat this with me, if you would. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Um, thank you thank for dying on the cross so that I could be forgiven. I believe you did it for me. I receive you into my heart and life. Thank you for forgiving me, for changing my life. I pray this. In your name, the name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. Isn't God good? Praise God. So we're going to have a prayer team up here in the front. If you would like personal prayer, they'll be here for you to pray with you and believe God with you. God bless you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.